0: Thank you for listening to Simple Church, where we love God, love others, and serve our world. Tune in today for a life-changing message from our student pastor, Brandon Pruitt. What is up? Good morning, my church family. Oh my gosh, I feel so welcome already. I hope you guys feel welcome. My name is Brandon. I'm the youth pastor here, and I get the privilege. I'm so excited, you guys. Like I get to share with you what God has been sharing with me this week as we continue this series, The Bible for grown ups. And the reason we think this series is so important as we begin our two years of truth um, in the year of 2020 is because for many of us, including myself, we were told the stories of the Bible as children. Right? Like some of us relate with that, the B-I-B-L-E, or maybe you're like my daughter or what that has these Bible apps. She has this awesome like Bible app where all the stories are animated and she gets to click little things and they like A-caw! and anyway like they do all this stuff. And she knows the stories, but here's the thing we can't many times if we don't know the story of the Bible, we begin to discount the stories in it. It's so easy to discount the stories in it, but when you discover the story of the Bible, those stories come alive because here's the deal. Jesus did not write the Bible, (laughs) but he is the reason for the Bible. He's the reason for it, and it's not because of his that he was arrested. It's not because of his teachings. It's not even because of his death. It's because of his resurrection that we even have this book called the Bible. And in fact... As as people d- discovered this, and this thing happened, this amazing thing happened that changed people's life. This this Jewish rabbi or Jewish um, teacher that rose from the dead, and they started to discover this, and they began to write down his life and what happened. And so the books of Matthew, the books, these accounts like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when they were written down, they were immediately considered this valuable, reliable, sacred, inspired, and in scripture. And these weren't written, when these were written, there wasn't a Bible. There wasn't a Bible. These were just, there was just all these accounts of the life of Jesus floating around, like people writing them down. And and these accounts were considered in so high regard, they were considered so valuable, that people gave their life to protect them. And in the same way that you have a vault maybe in your house or you go to a hotel and there's a vault in the hotel room and you take the things that are valuable to you and you stick them inside that vault, these writings are in the Bible because they were valuable. They're not valuable because they're in the Bible. They're in the Bible because they were considered valuable. So it's almost like this book is a vault of these really, really valuable writings. And so then, the, and we talked about that last week a little bit. But then the question comes up, okay, Brandon, I get that, or, or maybe that makes sense of like, okay, there's these writings about Jesus, but what about the Old Testament? What about this old stuff that's in there? Why is that in there? We're going to get to that this morning and next week. We're going to talk about why those were considered valuable enough to be in this vault called the Bible as well. And to This morning, I want to start with the very beginning, in the beginning the book of Genesis. Why is that something like that in the Bible? But before we do, um, I have to let you know something I discovered because here's the deal these things are in there because the, the early Christians, the early people who are following Christ, discovered something in these old texts that made them valuable enough to be in the Bible. And I want to let you know that this morning. My hope is that we'll discover that together and it'll reignite something you. But before we get into that, I have to let you know something I discovered uh, over Christmas break that I found out to be pretty, pretty unique, pretty cool. And here's the deal. Here's what, here's what I want to share with you is late November, a girl named Tori Pereno posted a video on TikTok. Anybody in here using TikTok? Yeah, all the, all the fam down here, the youth is like, yeah. Um, you know, TikTok. But it also went on Twitter. And here's the deal. In four days, four days, everyone say four days. It reached more than 8.7 million people and was shared more than 174,000 times. People were astounded by this. People were blown away. They were, they were enamored. They were, they were taken aback. They were like, what is this? i got to share this with somebody. Somebody else has got to know about it. And here's, here's the deal, though. So many people got a part of it because the exciting thing is then when you begin digging into it, and you find out how it's done, and you're like, I get to be a part of this, and then you get to be a part of what's happening, this new and exciting and amazing thing. And in the same way, it was the same for those, those early Christians. In the same way, they discovered something, they came across something that blew their minds that that astounded them. And they were like, I gotta know more. I gotta let people know about this. I gotta let people know what's going on. And so they continued to, there's a reason that they, that they dug into what we now know as the Hebrew scriptures or the Old Testament. They wanted to know more about this person, Jesus. They wanted to know more about this life that literally changed their lives. And so they started to look into the Jewish scriptures. And it's not because of their encounter, or it's not because, so basically what happened here is their encounter with a Jewish Savior fueled their interest in the Jewish scriptures, and we'll come back to that in just a minute. But there was something there, and as they did, they discovered something. They discovered something in the Jewish scriptures that I want to talk about specifically today. They discovered something in the Old Testament that I want to talk about today that, that I think if we can really shift our perspective and see it the way they did, it would change the way we see even the beginning of this book we call the Bible. And so my hope after this morning is that you will be just as blown away by what the early Christians discovered and rediscovered for yourself the significance of the portion of your Bibles that we call the Old Testament and that we specifically this morning are talking about Genesis. And so to do that, I want to look at three different things. I want to go into the discovery that they made, the challenge that we face, and the hope we now have because of that discovery. So let me pray, and then let's dig right in, okay? All right. God, I come to you this morning just to thank you so much for the privilege to be here. I thank you for the the power of your word, the uniqueness of your word, the value of your word, and that we have that now to discover more and more about who you are and about our relationship with you. And I pray this morning that we would be connected to you, God, in a new way, in a unique way that would reignite something in us that for those of us who need it, for those of us who need this new perspective this morning, speak to us, God. Speak through me. Sometimes I'm like, I don't even know why I'm up here, God. It is such a privilege. And I pray that you would use these, me this morning to speak your truth and your word for the sake of your kingdom and your glory, Father, in your name. Amen. So I want to start somewhere this morning uh, before we jump into Genesis. And here's the deal. I want to give you a little bit of history and background of, of what was going on with these early Christians back then. And so here's, here's where I want to start is During this time, Christianity, as it began, they had a lot of persecution. They had a lot of things going on. The Roman Empire was against them. They didn't want this Christian movement to start up. But the Christians, the reason this started is because Christianity really challenged ancient Jewish and the other cultures around them. It challenged their thought because they had this notion. They had this notion that there was one God. And for many of us, that might not blow our mind necessarily because we've heard that now that's kind of indoctrinated in our culture And some. And sure, there are other religions, other things that you can go to. But for the most part, many of us kind of have heard that before and have at least an awareness of it. But for them, this is kind of where their mindset was at is during this time, people didn't convert from one religion to another, Every nation and family had their own God. Like they literally had their own God that they would carry around with them that that maybe would have resembled, um, like it might have been like an idol or it might have been even a wooden figure or something. They carried it around. And so much that this was a part of their culture that sometimes you'd go to a different nation or a different family and you discover a new God and you would like throw yours away. You'd be like, nah, not that one. And I'm going to take that one because that one sounds better. And so this whole idea of like there being one God was like, that's crazy. In fact, this is interesting, the early Christians were considered atheists because they didn't believe in the gods. They were considered the atheists back during their time because they didn't believe in the general consensus of belief of there being multiple gods back then. And so this was a really unique way of thinking. And the Roman Empire didn't care about what you believed in as long as you paid homage to Caesar and didn't dishonor their gods. And so this was the reason that they started to face some persecution because they were going, no, 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 those gods, there's only, there's one God above all gods. And the Jews, the Jews would have believed this as well. But up until this point, they mostly kept to themselves. They mostly kept to themselves. And they didn't really share, and they kind of, they, they believed this. And so the Gentiles are the non-Jewish people, the people who didn't believe in the Jewish religion or the Jewish culture. They didn't have any interest in their, their faith because they just kind of kept to themselves and kept a, away from um, the rest of society. And were saying, well, we've got our God, and we know what it's like, and we're the unique, and we're special. And so they kept away. And so no one else had an interest in this until the Apostle Paul and the early Christians started sharing it with those who were non-Jewish. They started sharing it with the Gentiles, and they were blown away. They were blown away like we already talked about. They were blown away by this, and they wanted to know more. And like we already said, basically, their encounter with a Jewish Savior fueled their interest in the Jewish scriptures. Their encounter with this Jewish Savior, this Jewish rabbi, and discovering who he was, they were like, we need to know more about this. We want to, we want to know more about it. And so they started digging in. To the Jewish scriptures. And as they learned more about the gospel or what we now or what we call the good news, they discovered the law and the prophets held a lot. And by the way, the law and the prophets is what it was called um, back then because there was no old testament. It was just the law and the prophets. That was the writing of the Jewish, that was where the Jewish texts and that's what they were called. And so they started digging into that because they started looking at the Jewish scriptures and they saw Jesus everywhere. And there was, you know, and the prophet Isaiah is like talking about this guy and they were like, that's him, that's him. That's who they're talking, that's who the prophet's talking about. And so they started getting more and more into it and they discovered more and more and they began to look into it and they came across the writings of prophets such as Genesis, which by the way, Genesis comes from a Hebrew word meaning Beginning. Or origin, pretty fitting, right? Because it talks a lot about that. And the author is unknown, but traditionally is assumed to be Moses. And the date of authorship is literally between 1440 and 1400 B.C., or you could say between the time Moses brought the Israelites out of Egypt and between his death. And so scholars believe it was written during that time, written by Moses. And it's even been called, the book of Genesis has been called the seed plot of the Bible because it begins a lot of the doctrine and theology that goes throughout the rest of the Bible. A lot of the things you find in Genesis will continue to show up over and over and over again. So here's where I need your help as we look at the first verse that we're going to talk about today is imagine with me, imagine with me, you've never read the Old Testament before. You've never heard anything about it. You've never read any of it. You've never heard of Genesis. You've never read any bit of it. And and, and you believe you're in this culture of that there's many gods that you can just pick and choose from that that you can follow and you've never read these texts before and you're reading them for the first time. And then you come across a verse like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And this is that moment for you where it'd be like, (sighs) ha, ha and you're like you're like whoa my mind is blown what does this mean because i've heard of god because here's the deal this word god we we we've it's become such a big word and i think sometimes the the word here that we translate it, even though it means god it, t- it takes away from what they would have experienced because this word is the word written here in hebrew is elohim and literally means i guess a better word that would make more sense to us is maybe like that of a spiritual being it's a divine being a god like one of the gods and because here's the deal that word there the author intended for you to not know who he was talking about yet. And so they read this and they would have gone, "What? There's a there's a spiritual being, there's a god that created the heavens and the earth, who i I know about a few gods, like which one is it? Like what is going on?" And then and then you'd start reading on and it would start talking about these different days or periods of time where he created seven of them and and it would begin with, you know, the The light, he brought light, and then he did sky, and then he had water, and then there was plants and animals and humans, and this is really cool. And then, and then, you'd flip to page two, and you would read the name of this God, and you would see this Elohim, this God has a name, and he is the God of gods. Or as it says in your text in Genesis 2-4, if you were to l- read the literal translation, it says Yahweh Elohim, Yahweh God, the God of gods, the Lord of lords. <laughs> like, and you'd have been like, whoa, there, there's, this is like one God above. And so basically what's being said here is all those gods you believe in, he's above all of them. He created all of them. He created everything. And this would have blown your mind as it did. For those who first came across it because here's what you would have known up until that point is that one the jewish religion was the oldest that you the roman empire the rest of the the culture knew about and the only reason they had kept hold of it is because the roman empire honored ancient things and it was even before the romans and so they honored that and they held on to that and you would have known okay that's the oldest religion and these jews they're kind of crazy they believe in one god but as you read this as you dug into these scriptures and found Jesus amidst them and then discovered that the prophets that that Jesus was referring to and he talked about and valued, and then they write this, you'd go, whoa, the Jews, everyone who's believed in their own God, every family, every nation that has their own God has had it wrong. And the Jews had it right from the beginning. And that would have blown minds that would have made what the heck and so naturally you want to know more and so but here's the challenge we face with that today right like we read that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and some of you've read that before many of you've probably heard that before but what keeps us from experiencing it the same way they did is really two things and the first is something very interesting that's happened in the the 19th and 20th century that has affected, I would guarantee, every one of you in here. No matter what you believe, no matter where you're at with your faith or, or what's going on, and it's this discovery, this archaeological find that has made the claims of Genesis suspect. And it was this discovery that they found... These writings are these old, these old tablets. One of them is the Enuma Elish, where it had a creation story of its own, and they claimed that they were so similar that the Hebrews or the original authors or Moses could have borrowed from them. And then it's like, whoa, okay, well, how reliable is this if they were just borrowing? But what you might not know, because they, they, wouldn't tell you, they don't tell us this or we haven't gotten as much in this, but that belief has pretty much been abandoned by scholarship. Just like one scholar, Stephen Burman, says that these similarities, as he's talking about how Genesis and the Numa Elish are kind of similar, he says that these similarities, notwithstanding the two accounts, are more different than alike. And so the majority of scholarship today believes not only does Genesis not borrow, it stands in startling contrast to other creation myths. There's a couple of, like the fact that there was a heaven and an earth created and humans were created, but beyond that, There's not much. And and if you still hold on to that, if that's a struggle with you, I would ask, have you read it? Have you read the Enuma Elish? Have you read these texts that, that archaeologists and others have claimed are so similar that they must have borrowed? Because I'll tell you, I have. And and here's here's how Sunday school for the this is a Babylonian. This this was a Numalish was held in a Babylonian. This is the creation story of the Babylonians, Sunday school for Babylonians would have looked like something like this. Marduk took his arrow and shot it down the throat of Tiamat and split her in half and took the top half of her body and created the heavens and the bottom half of her body and created the earth. Yeah, pretty barbaric time. Anyway, so that that's that's like that's This is the creation stories that that we've said, well, they're similar enough that in the Babylonians and other cultures during that time, they followed these, and they took these, and they read these, and that's what they lived by. But most of scholarship today would say Genesis is a worldview unto itself. And in fact, modern scientific community wouldn't even begin to catch up with this With the first statement in Genesis, in the beginning, until 1927 when a Belgian priest would first note that the universe could be traced back in time to an originating single point. Or maybe you're more familiar with 1929 when Edwin Hubble took analysis of the galactic redshifts and he said galaxies are drifting apart. Or in 1964 when the discovery of cosmic microwave background radiation was made and now scientists all pretty much agree... That in a trillion, trillionth of a second, the universe expanded from something the size of a pebble to its astronomical size that we have today and continues to expand. Or, as Genesis says, in the beginning, God created. And here's why this is important, because I would wager that you and me both agree that if something has a cause, everything that has a cause or had a beginning, everything that has a beginning had a cause. Everything that has a beginning had a cause. Like, say, a baseball threw, flew through your window and landed on your, your floor. You wouldn't just go, well, that, that must have just happened. Like, that was, no, you would start thinking, I wonder where that came from. This is the beginning of this moment of me realizing this baseball exists, but it had to have started somewhere. It had a cause. We'd all agree with that. And so the question, the debate is not whether the universe has a beginning or not, or it's did it have an intentional one, a purposeful one. And what's interesting is that Moses or the author of Genesis is sharing with us the answers to this question. And it's been lost because most of us come at it at the wrong perspective. Because here's the deal: this is don't miss this. Please don't miss this. Moses or the author of Genesis is not trying to show how God created. There's so there's all this stuff in there about like, oh, the seven days and they were the Adam and Eve and all that, but he's not trying to show how God created. No, no, no. He's trying to show that God created, that God created, that Yahweh, the one and only God, was the one who created the universe and created us as humans. And here's why this is important. Here's why this is important. Because every other creation story up until this point, including like the Enuma Elish and what the Babylonians believed, would have said something more similar to what it says in in the Enuma Elish, Marduk. It's talking about humans and the way we were created. And this is what Marduk or is said to have said in the Enuma Elish. He says, I will establish a savage man. Man shall be his name. Savage man I will create and he shall be charged with the service of the gods that they might be at ease. And you're like, what is going on here? Basically, in every other story up until Jesus came onto the scene and people started believe, started considering the Jewish scriptures or the Jewish texts and this creation story would have said humans us to the gods were just an afterthought we were created for their benefit we were created because if you read the enuma leash which it's crazy and i could go anyway it's pretty nuts but we were created to simply serve them to take the load off of them and that was it and that's that's what many of these creation stories suggest and what many of the other cultures believed back then and that's why you see so much like barbaricness from the Assyrians and the Babylonians and all that because the, the gods that they followed justified the violent actions that the leaders themselves lived out. And so that was our purpose. That's what we were created for. But then you get to Genesis 1, through 27. After you've read that God, Yahweh, the God of gods, the Lord of lords created the heavens and the earth, and it says this, it says, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us, they will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So, God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God, He created them, male and female, He created them. And so, in Genesis, this is why this is important. Humans, you, me, us, weren't an afterthought, but we were the pinnacle of all creation. We are created to share in the glory of our creator. We are created to, to rule and reign alongside him, not just serve him, not just an afterthought for some benefit so they could, not have to, they could be more lazy. And what this says to us when we consider this and we take this as the, the creation or we truly begin to see this and go, whoa, it says the dignity of every man, woman, and child was established at the very beginning. The dignity that all of us would say, many of us would probably agree, like when you look at somebody, they they have dignity, they have equality, like that was established here at the very beginning. And this was unheard of at the time. There was no parallel. And so Genesis claims that we will not worship nature like some of the other religions, but that we will reign over it, that we'll be good stewards of it. And Jesus, during his ministry, gave men, women, and children all the dignity that Genesis makes at the very beginning, the very claim that Genesis makes, that every man, woman, and child you come face to face with bears the image of their creator. And so be careful how you treat them. They're all deserving of love. And as Jesus says in John 13, 34, love each other as I've loved you because, or he doesn't say this in there, but because we were all created in the image of God. And so then it all begins to make sense and it all relates together. And so here's my final point is that you and I and what Genesis claims in the beginning what the author of Genesis Moses claims is that you were created on purpose with great purpose. You were created on purpose with great purpose. And so you have two options when you read that. When you read Genesis and when you do when you consider what Jesus said and the things that he valued, these old texts and what the early Christians valued, you have two options as you can either say, well, I don't know about that. And, but what this is doing is it's Jesus came to free us from a life of sin and a slavery to sin. And, and this idea, this creation account frees us from this, that, that same prison. Whereas the enuma, Elish almost and these other, these other ideas make us asleep. There, there, is, there is no redeemer and there is no afterlife. But in Genesis, we are introduced to a God who loves, redeems, and never abandons us. A God who allows us to make our own choices and honors them. That's crazy. Makes our own choices, and and he honors them. A God who goes to work to repair the brokenness caused by our decisions, by our sin. A God who at the right time came to join us in the name of his son, Jesus. And so the Gentiles are reading this, and they discover, ah, And they discovered the Jews had it right all along. So they moved quickly to adapt these texts as their own and include them with their own in a book that we now call the Bible. Let's pray and then we'll give you a little bit of time to consider it as well. God, just come to you this morning again to thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that you had for us this morning. And I just pray now that as we take time to connect with one another, that it would help us connect with you even further. Thank you, God. Thank you for the opportunity to speak this morning. And I pray it was a blessing to every person in this room. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you're new or want to know more about our church family, please visit us online at simple.church or by downloading our simple.church app.